championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. Your Lakers just beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 113-101, to picked up a much-needed win. We're going to break it all down, including a pivotal moment. I think the Lakers may have stumbled upon something. I think Frank Vogel hit his breaking point. And I want to talk about a lineup that they tried out that I think they might have to stick with. We're going to break that all down. But first, quick reminder, do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well if you're not already. If you're joining us from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. Always appreciate the live viewers coming in. And uh, throw in your questions and comments. As you can see, it's a solo show tonight, but never really solo because, like I always say, it's me and all of you. So toss me your questions and comments, especially in the form of a super chat over on YouTube. I certainly appreciate those. And we'll get into it. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, do make sure you leave us that rating and review as well. And uh, enjoy. hopefully you're enjoying your weekend if you're listening to the podcast version of this, because that's probably happening tomorrow. All right, let's dive into it, starting off with the stats. The Lakers, again, pick up the win, 113-101. to 101. Anthony Davis, 15 points, 9 boards, 3 assists, 3 blocks, including one ridiculous block on Lowry Markkanen. Uh, the game was still a little bit in question, but AD, it was an emphatic block. Him racing back into the play. It was a bad turnover by Russell Westbrook. We'll get to him in a minute. And AD really saved the day. That was great to see, but I'll have some more thoughts on him. And not all of them are positive, but some more thoughts on AD coming. LeBron James returns from that ankle injury. Does not shoot well from three, one for 10, but still one for 10 from three. His one make came from Inglewood. He shot it from the Lakers logo, but to the side of the logo, I mean, ridiculous. The one three that he hit, but 10 for 22 from the field. 10 for 22 from the field, and he went one for 10 from three. That's incredible efficiency from two-point range. Did have seven turnovers, but 26 points, eight assists for LeBron. Welcome back. Three steals as well. Russell Westbrook, eight for 13, only four turnovers. We'll take that. 19.6 boards, five assists. Not bad, not bad for Russ. And we'll talk a bit more about him as well. I've got some thoughts there. Carmelo Anthony, though, pulling the Kobe. 24 points, five boards, six of eight from deep. That feels familiar. Carmelo Anthony just had a big shooting performance a couple of games ago when the Lakers were at home. And now here he is again, nine for 12 shooting overall. Great offensive performance out of Carmelo Anthony. We've got to talk about him more as well as we get into this thing. Now, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Evan Mobley is a stud. 23.6 boards, 3 assists, 2 steals, 10 for 16 shooting, 1 of 2 from deep. The Cavs got a very good one in the draft this year. A lot of guys coming out of this draft looking really solid, and Evan Mobley certainly one of them. Darius Garland drops 18 points with 11 assists. Lowry Markinen has 17, only 3 rebounds for him, though. Uh, but the Cavs, again, this is a team. Oh, Ricky Rubio, as always. He always kills the Lakers, 18 6 Four and three steals for Ricky Rubio because that's just what Ricky Rubio does anytime he plays the Los Angeles Lakers. All right, let's get into this thing. Let's start really breaking down this game. And I want to jump straight into the questions and comments because I have a feeling a lot of what you guys are saying, probably some topics that I want to get into. Anyway, I'm seeing some people complaining about too many turnovers and things like that. 
that's fine. That's fine. We will get into that. Don't don't get me wrong. This is not a perfect game, but it's a win for a team that badly needed it. Uh, I've got Naomi Andrew from YouTube said Reeves was great. Austin Reeves continues to impress. HBK Hillbilly Kobe, 21 minutes, two of four, one of two from deep, three boards, two assists, one block, plus one in terms of plus minus. He's not losing you games. And that's it's unreasonable to say to an undrafted rookie, go play minutes on a team that's supposed to be a good team, supposed to be a contender, and is going to be in some close matchups, and you're going to have to defend some really high-caliber NBA players and do that successfully. Most guys, if you asked 100 undrafted players to do that, 95 of them would not be able to. And Austin Reeves is pulling that off. And again, that's a great compliment. He's not like the number one pick in the draft where you were expecting him to step in and play minutes from the get-go. No, he's a guy who did not get drafted, and now he's played his way into real rotation minutes for the Lakers. Now, you saw some of the shortcomings. You saw when the Lakers' offense stalled out and the ball swung to Austin Reeves, and it was on him 10 seconds or so of just him trying to go one-on-one and create something, he can't do that. He can't just be put on an island and create offense one-on-one. And that's not a knock on him or his game. He's got a very team-oriented game. But you saw that he does have shortcomings. He does have areas of his game, and shot creation's not, not one of his strengths. He does have areas of his game that are weaknesses. But overall, he plays smart. The other players on the team trust him, and they know that on both ends of the floor, he's going to make correct decisions. I like the feistiness on the defensive end as well, always digging down. Every time you see him drop back into the paint, he's using his hands to get steals, pop the ball free before the offensive player has got a chance to go up with it. He's one of those guys that you can put him, put him in, and trust him to get the job done. He's not going to take over a game for you, but... He can go in there and not cost you a game. He's going to do the right things at the right time. And that's, um, again, that that consider that high praise for a guy like like him coming into the NBA. Uh, AJ with the Hemi from YouTube, the Super Chat. What does Russ' stats need to look like and the Lakers' record need to be for us to have three all-stars? Man, I'm not ready to get into the whole three All-Stars thing. I think that tonight's performance is a pretty good example of what Russ's stats would need to look like. As far as the record, the Lakers would need to have, I mean, in order to have three All-Stars, you probably are talking at least top three in the Western Conference. That's probably what, what we're talking about there. But Russell Westbrook, I, th- I thought tonight, 19-6-5, that's a really solid stat line. If he was doing that consistently, night in, night out, and you weren't having these big turnover spikes where he's he's turning the ball over 10 times a night or something like that, then you're probably feeling pretty good about Russell Westbrook potentially making the All-Star team. But you look at look at the guards in the West. I mean, I mean Steph Curry, you're not getting past him, right? There's a number of really good guards in the Western Conference that would make it really tough for um for Russ to, to get in there, but possible. Nine to five on YouTube. Why do we have such a hard time guarding the pick and roll? So there's a few things here. There's a few things. In terms of pick and roll, why that's been such a problem, a lot of it is communication. Um, A lot of it is just they're reading the play incorrectly and you've got a guy, you you get a situation where teams are trying to create a man advantage. They're trying to create four on three situations where they've got the four, defense has three, and they're attacking. That's what what they're looking to do. And a lot of times on a pick and roll, they are creating that. 
But the Lakers are also not doing a very good job reading it. I'm not just talking about the players who are actually involved in the pick and roll, the two players who are involved in it. I'm talking about the guy that's supposed to be the helper. We saw a number of times where the guy that was supposed to help, whether it was Carmelo Anthony or somebody else, just was late getting in to tag the roll man. All they have to do is, is run in real quick, tag them just long enough to break up the play and bounce back out to the three-point line. All they have to do is delay things for even a split second. And that gives your defense a chance to recover. And that wasn't happening at a very high level in this one. So the pick and roll has been a problem for the Lakers, but that does lead us into a bigger topic. You guys saw what happened. You saw what happened with the defense. I think we saw Frank Vogel in my mind. I'm sure he will have a much more eloquent way to explain this, but in my mind, I felt like Frank Vogel hit his breaking point that he finally just said, you know what? Anybody who doesn't play defense isn't going to be in the game. How many times did we see the Lakers in the first half get back cut? How many times did we see them give up easy points to the Cavs right down the lane? Way too many. And so Frank Vogel finally said, you know what? Forget it. He threw his hands up. He said, I don't care about offensive spacing. I don't care whether or not you can shoot. I don't care anything else you can do. Give me guys who can play defense. And he went with a lineup. I think this might be the key moving forward for at least a little while. Avery Bradley, Kent Bazemore, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard. That was the lineup Frank Vogel turned to to stop the bleeding in the second quarter. And if you look as terms in terms of individual defenders, it does not get better than that. If that did not work, Frank Vogel would be out of options defensively. That's the best they've got defensively. And he threw it out there, and guess what? It worked. It worked. They started getting stops. They started getting stops. And guess what else they got? Transition buckets. We've been talking about this from day one, that this team could be a very good transition team. But guess what you can't do when you don't get stops? Run. There is no fast break when you're taking the ball out of your own basket time and time again. And that's what we saw through much of the end of the first quarter and into the second, we saw the Lakers taking the ball out of their own basket. Every time they scored in the half court on the other end, they were getting scored on right back. They couldn't make up any ground. And in fact, they were losing ground. They were down by 10 at one point to the Cavs. And then they went all defense. They started getting stops and then they were able to get out and run. And that's credit to, to Bazemore, credit to Bradley for just going in and doing the dirty work. And it's not like this is rocket science. This is how teams have historically been built around LeBron James. Just give me guys who will defend their butts off and can occasionally knock in an open three. That's it. I don't care if they can do anything else. Just give me guys who can do that and we're going to be okay. So Frank Vogel went back to the drawing board, said, I'm putting in all the defensive players and you know what? It worked. And you have to imagine that somewhere inside that felt good for Frank Vogel, who is a defensive obsessed coach. He's obsessed with the defensive end of the floor. And to finally see a group execute on defense the way he needs them to, that had to feel very good for a team that has been very bad defensively. So uh, somebody said Marco Polo from YouTube, the Super Chat. So good point, but what about AD? I'm getting to him. I'm still talking about this defense right now. I think this may be the path forward for the Lakers for the time being. Our One of our big questions was, can they defend at a high enough level to where having those floor spacers out there, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, players like that, where it makes sense? Can they force enough turnovers to actually use the fast break offense that we think they can? And so far, the answer has been no. So far, 
so far, having poor individual defenders on the floor, regardless of what they can do on the offensive end, has been overall a net negative for the Lakers. That's why you saw Malik Monk got five minutes tonight. And don't get me wrong, this is nothing bad about Malik Monk. I think moving forward, moving forward, you're going to see a Lakers rotation that includes the five guys that I named. You're also going to see a few guys off the bench, and that's going to be Austin Reeves. That's going to be, well, Avery Bradley was in that starting unit. DeAndre Jordan, I think we'll get some minutes there. And then whichever one is hot between Carmelo Anthony and Malik Monk. There is room for a shooter in that group. There is room for a shooter in the rotation. And I think it's Mello or Malik Monk. And that's it. That's your rotation for the time being until we start to see guys come back. Until THT comes back and Kendrick Nunn comes back. And then eventually Trevor Ariza. Then you can start to mix and match. But right now this defense is simply not good enough to get the job done. They are losing games. And so you've got to go with the group that can get stops and get you out in transition and take some of that burden off of your offense. I really think the Lakers have stumbled upon something here that they can use moving forward. All right. Sorry, that was my rant. I was really excited by what we saw, and I was excited to see Frank Vogel finally say, enough is enough. I don't care what you can do on offense. Give me guys who can play defense. So I wanted to make sure that I spent some time on that. Let me get back into some of your questions and your comments here. Uh, I've got a super chat coming in. Oh, that was the one I just did. Why did they have such a tough time running the pick and roll? Here we go. Uh, somebody said, uh, Tamal Paul from Yo Trev here from India. Welcome, Ants. And probably the only one here. Now, I love getting all of our international viewers coming in. Always so cool to see the, the worldwide effect of the Lakers. Uh, Shane138 from YouTube, the super chat. Um, asking for a doctor, has anyone contracted bipolar disorder by watching a sports team? Because I may be a pr prime candidate. Haven't felt this up and down about a situation since my first girlfriend. Um, Shane, you know what? You're, you're obviously making light of this situation and everything, but that's actually a bigger topic that has been bouncing around in my head for a while now about the effects of social media on our sports viewership and what it means. Because it's different than it was, say, 15 years ago. 15 years ago, if the Lakers lost a game, you shut off the game, maybe you read some articles after, you catch the post-game show or something like that, but that's it, right? That's the extent of it. Now, if you if the Lakers lose a game and you are involved in, let's say you're in you know, Lakers Twitter, right? Or, or you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, wherever... What happens when the Lakers lose? You see fans of other teams spouting off. It's thrown in your face. I'm seeing more and more people who are more frustrated when the team loses than they are happy when they win. It's more of a relief when they win because they know they don't have to deal with all that. And I see a lot of people when the Lakers lose saying, oh man, what's Skip gonna say tomorrow? Because we've got these hot take shows and it's no secret. I'm not a huge fan of that. It's just, it's not my style um, of the, the kind of the hot takes and just the, the debates and yelling, whoever yells loudest is the winner and all that kind of stuff. It's created this environment where people are jumping into one side or the other. The Lakers are terrible or the Lakers are great. And if they lose, everybody who's been saying they're terrible is using that as their opportunity to, to scream from the mountains. See, I told you so. This team is never going to do anything. They're awful. Everything they're bad at is exactly what I've been saying. And the opposite is true when they win. You get people who are running around saying they're never going to lose. 
the truth is probably somewhere in the middle as it is with most things. So we do get this roller coaster effect. Now, this team in general has also helped produce more of the roller coaster effect than ever by having these terrible losses like against the Oklahoma City Thunder last time out and then having these wins where we start to see glimpses of what they can be. So it's not just social media and that impact, but it's something that I'm becoming more and more aware of. So I'm watching the way fans are reacting to losses and the way social media is causing fans to become even more upset at losses and then more of a relief feeling when uh, when they win. But again, that's a much bigger topic that eventually I'll get uh, I'll get into at a later date. All right, let me see what else we've got here. Uh, Tanner Canis from uh, YouTube, the Super Chat. So do you think HBK can take on the Caruso role? Uh, no, no, I don't. And the reason for that, it's not because I don't think HBK is a good player, Austin Reeves. Uh, he is, he's, he's a good player. But Caruso, if you've seen Caruso, like, there's a difference in size out there on the floor. Now, Austin Reeves is not small. He's 6'5", but Caruso is is physically more imposing than Reeves is. Maybe at some point Reeves is going to fill out or something like that, but Caruso, like if you're watching Caruso with the Bulls, it stands out how big he actually is. He's a big guy, and that's why he, he really makes players work defensively because he's got that strength behind him, and Reeves doesn't. Reeves doesn't. Reeves is a is a much different player. I think that offensively, Reeves has a little bit more of a natural feel for the game in terms of this player is going to be making this cut at this time and I can make this pass here. I think Reeves' brain operates a little bit differently when it comes to reading the offensive end of the floor. Caruso, I think, just as be, in terms of being a lockdown defender, is on a different level than what Reeves is at. And that's not a knock. I've been saying it for a couple of years now. Alex Caruso is one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. Uh, so I'm not. that's not a knock on Reeves. I don't think he can be that exact role where Frank Vogel would say, okay, Caruso, you're going to deal with the other team's best player on the perimeter. I don't think Reeves is that. We'll see. He could become that potentially, but it's going to take some time. He's not that at this moment. All right. Uh, Ash MK from YouTube said, wave Ellington and sign uh, a Keefe replacement. Yeah, they do need um, another big, another, well, like a power forward, a 3-4 guy. They do need another one of those players. And that has not, uh, that that is not available at this moment. Uh, Josie A said, this lineup is fire. Russ, AB, Bazemore, Braun, AD. Yep. Again, again. This should not be surprising. It shouldn't be surprising that when your back's against the wall, you just say, let's go back to what's what works. Forget it. Forget three-point shooting and all that. You know, we focus so much on three-point shooting. We need to win right now. Put the stars in and put guys who will defend their butts off every single possession next to them. And then let the chips fall where they may. That's what Frank Vogel did, and it worked. And it worked. There's going to be nights where it doesn't. There's going to be nights where ba- where Avery Bradley doesn't shoot well from behind the arc. Right? That's going to happen. But in general, I think that's the path to success for the time being. Avery Bradley, by the way, plus 30 on the night. Plus 30. Think it made a difference when you went to AB instead of Malik Monk? I like Malik Monk. I think he's a guy you can turn to when he's hot. But I think he's more you're just going to look at him to score, whereas... Bradley, you're going to use him in a lot of different lineups, a lot of different situations right now. 
Somebody said, I look like Austin Reeves. You know what? Every year, I look like somebody else. Everybody, every year, I look like somebody else. When we first started these shows, I looked at, people thought I looked like Luke Walton. People thought I was somehow related to Luke Walton, and that's why I was doing this show. Then I look like Frank Vogel. Now I look like Austin Reeves. I don't know. Uh, well, person from YouTube said, I think Braun should go back to being the floor general and Russ just relentlessly attacks like D Wade type with 80 at the five. Russ needs space. Yeah, I do think that's ultimately where this is going to wind up. I mean, Russell Westbrook was brought in to not force LeBron James to do the heavy lifting on the offensive end. But we'd also, we've also seen Russ is a little bit more effective when he's picking his spots. When it's not, okay, Russ, here's the ball. Go do whatever you want to do. That has, with some exception, led to a lot of turnovers. So the way you can cut that down is by giving the ball to somebody else, being LeBron, and making Russ more the attack-oriented guy in the half court. All right, you're going to cut. When you get the ball, you're going to attack off the dribble. That type of thing. You're not going to be running the entire offense. Pick his spots a bit more. And that may be something that they have to do moving forward here. I did think that this was overall a better Russell Westbrook game. By the way, let's let's just do it. Let's get in to the 360 award. I am still pulling your uh, your super chats. So just know if you've submitted those, I'm still getting to those. But the 360 award is the award that we give every night to the best star players. So 360, 360, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook. Which one of them was the best tonight? Chat, let me know your vote. Let me know who you think should have got that um award i've got my pick and if you're ready for it uh it is lebron james lebron is getting the 360 award for me tonight 100 now russell westbrook again solid 19 6 and 5 8 of 13 shooting 101 from deep okay not bad i mean that look compared to the 10 turnovers we saw last time around the quadruple double uh i'll take this performance from russell westbrook for sure but lebron Again, eight assists, three steals, one block. He did have seven turnovers, but 26 points, one of 10 from deep. Again, how ridiculous is this? One of 10 from deep, and he finished 10 of 22 shooting. That's incredible. Um, LeBron was very, very good in this one. There were some times where LeBron got lost defensively as well, where I thought his defensive effort, and this is why this matters. LeBron's defensive effort early in the game was not good. And I was concerned because we know the Lakers met this morning to go over defense specifically and talk about how to ramp that up. They spent a half an hour just on defense in the film room. And to come out flat like that, and especially see LeBron not have the energy coming out, that was a concern because when LeBron's energy is up, everybody's energy is up. When LeBron's energy is down, everybody's energy is down. And so that was a major concern for me at the beginning. But LeBron kind of played himself into this game and then started really get going. And then we saw some chase down blocks. Then we saw him making rotations on defense. And next thing you know, guess what? Everybody else is getting picked up too. Anthony Davis is a great example. AD, I thought, almost looked like he was sulking through part of this game. He looked disengaged. He looked like his mind was somewhere else. He wasn't putting in the most effort out there that you've seen out of him. And then when the game got close, towards the end, he really picked it up. He turned it up in the fourth quarter. And so where I was concerned about Anthony Davis, I was even thinking, does Anthony Davis get the master lock tonight? Because he's not even, he's not giving his all. The effort just was not there from Anthony Davis to the point where people are, are tweeting at me. What is going on with him? What's wrong with him? Is he hurt? What's happening? 
He did not look right, and then he flipped the switch and got it going. And so that's where I think he'll avoid the master lock in this one. But it wasn't until LeBron really picked it up that everybody else did too. So LeBron's getting the, the 360 award for me because I think that he was very, very good. Somebody said AD was just sad out there. Yeah, but what was he so sad about? I don't know. All right. Somebody said, Trev, does the Lakers organization support you? Like with your following, should they pay you? No, I don't work directly for the Lakers. I've done one event for the Lakers a couple of years ago, but I don't work directly for the Lakers. But I also wouldn't really be able to, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm not saying I wouldn't work for the Lakers, but um, I also wouldn't be able to do a lot of what I do do you know like if you work for the team then you fall under the rules of the collective bargaining agreement you fall under tampering rules so like when we discuss potential trades i wouldn't be able to to say another player's name i wouldn't be able to do any of that kind of stuff i wouldn't be able to break down the salary cap structure of another team i wouldn't be able to get into any of the rumors the only thing i'd be able to talk about is things that are officially done i wouldn't even be able to talk about a player that we know is being traded but it just hasn't been executed yet because of timing reasons i wouldn't even be able to talk about that so that's the downside but again i'm not saying i wouldn't <laughs> all right let's get into a few other ones i've got some more um super chats coming in here lemon james from youtube the super chat said hey as always great channel but i think carmelo will get six man of the year and the Lakers are having communication issues on defense. That's all. I don't think it's communication issues on defense. I mean, I, I do think it's communication issues, but I don't think it's solely that. I don't think it's solely that. I think part of it is you've got some guys who individually are just not good defenders. Um, Carmelo Anthony. Let's pick on him for a minute. He had a great night. All right. He had a great night offensively. His shot was falling. He helped the Lakers win this game. But we also saw in the first half, Carmelo Anthony subbed in, and the Cavs went, oh, let's go. And they went right at him. Three possessions in a row, and they scored on them. All three of them went right after Carmelo Anthony, put him in pick-and-roll situations, and lit him up. With Lowry Markkinen. I'm not saying, it's not Darius Garland, who's got a pretty solid handle. It's not like they, they broke him off and forced him into a switch on Darius Garland, and then he got burned. No, Lowry Markkinen was burning Carmelo Anthony. Defensively, there's going to be some games where he really hurts the Lakers. Tonight, his offense was so good. He was phenomenal. His offense was so good that he made up for it and then some by the end of the game. But early on, the Cavs recognized him as a weak link and went after him, went after his defense and had success because of it. So it's something to watch moving forward. What that means is that we talked earlier about riding the roller coaster. What that means is that Carmelo Anthony is going to be a roller coaster player. And so when I said earlier that hot hand, Malik Monk or Melo, probably that guy that you look at, it really depends which one of them has the offense going to where it's mitigating the defensive concerns because neither is a good defender. Malik Monk's not a good defender. Malik Monk got back, back cut by Kevin Love. Kevin Love is not quick. Kevin Love is not quick at all. And Malik Monk got back cut, back cut by Kevin Love. That, that can't happen. And Frank Vogel pulled him, and rightfully so, benched him. Said, that's it. Went to Avery Bradley, and the whole game changed. So when you look at that, 
you're going to see similar situations out of Carmelo Anthony where he doesn't have the shot falling and then defensively he can't bring it enough to keep him on the floor. You're also going to have nights like tonight though where he's great and he's shooting the ball so well and he is a real detriment to the other team trying to make a comeback. Every time the Cavs tried to make a run there in the fourth quarter, boom, there was Carmelo Anthony knocking in another three and saying, "Uh uh-uh, not today. Carmelo Anthony was excellent tonight. But just keep in mind moving forward, other teams will attack his defense, and if he doesn't have a shot falling, it's hard to keep him on the floor. Nights like tonight are great, though. All right, we've got a few more coming. Oh, we've got a lot more coming. Lakers fans fired up tonight. I always love seeing the reaction when the when the Lakers get a win. The Lakers fan base, we are legion, that's for sure. All right, back into a few more of these super chats here. I'm saving them as they come in, so hopefully I won't miss any. A Canadian conservative from YouTube said, I don't hate Jordan to AD to Dwight rotation in principle for the regular season, but I think we could probably get a different big who isn't DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I agree. I think DeAndre Jordan more often than not, and DeAndre Jordan has had some decent moments. He's had some, some solid performances, but more often than not, you're probably better off not having him out there. I mean, that's the conclusion the Nets ultimately came to. They came to the conclusion that, look, even defensively, we're better when he's not on the floor than when he's on. Um, And that's saying a lot. You know, DeAndre Jordan in this one, two of three, seven boards, one block, four points, minus five in terms of plus minus. He's got his limitations. And defensively, if you're playing against a team that's making you switch, making you rotate a lot, he can get burned. And would the Lakers be better off with another center? Yeah, I'm still, I keep looking at the Kings box score and seeing that they're not really playing Damian Jones, thinking, why didn't they just cut him loose? Like the Lake, he was the Lakers' preferred option. I think Damian Jones would probably look better in there than, than DeAndre Jordan. Maybe it's not by a lot. He's just a younger player. He's got a little bit more lateral movement. Like DeAndre Jordan, his timing's going to be better than a young player overall. His ability to block shots and things may be a little bit better. But I think that what the Lakers need there is mobility, and you don't really get that out of DeAndre Jordan. You mentioned moving forward that maybe things will change. It might. It might change moving forward. I think the Lakers, and this has been my thought from beginning of the season, I think the Lakers intended to use Anthony Davis at the five. And then when Ariza and THT went out, you lost that incentive to do that because you didn't have the wing player to put into the rotation that made sense. And so Frank Vogel just went, well, okay, fine. Then I guess we'll we'll go with DeAndre Jordan. We'll go with a big rotation. I think Anthony Davis at center becomes a more realistic possibility once you get those guys back and you've got a wing player that can be a two-way player that can be in that starting five for you, then maybe we'll see that change made. I think they really like having Dwight come off the bench and be part of the second unit, but once they get their wings back, we might see a shift here with, uh, with DeAndre Jordan. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Tyler Broyles, how does AB fit into the rotation once people, people come back off injury? I love the AB, Russ, Braun, Bays AD lineup. Embarrassment of riches uh, could play out potentially. But look, there's going to be some some hot and cold nights. I think that Anthony, uh, Avery, Avery Bradley, AB, defensively, he's going to give you consistency on a night-in, night-out basis. And so I like that about him. You know, even if his shot's not falling defensively, he's going to be giving you everything he's got 
every single night. And so you like that. Um, I think more likely to happen is what I was just talking about. More likely to happen is you see DeAndre Jordan's minutes go away in order to bring in another wing. And that's where you could see Avery Bradley continue to hang on to his role. It's also possible that, look, if Taylor Horton Tucker is as good defensively as the Lakers were hyping him up to be, we're, we're saying that he was going to take on this role of being the guy to defend the other team's best player. And we haven't seen it. So let's not assume that's what's going to happen. But that's what the Lakers had ideally for him. If THT is anywhere close to Avery Bradley defensively, he's bigger He's got a longer wingspan. He's a better offensive player. He's a more dynamic offensive player anyway. It's possible those minutes do go away once THT comes into the fold if THT is just that much better. But again, we have to see that before that can be something that we jump to. I Again, I think that once the wings come back, rather than, oh, which this wing player is going to lose all his minutes. Malik Monk is out of the rotation now or, uh, or Avery Bradley's out of the rotation now. It's more likely you see them do more Anthony Davis at center rotations with more wings on the floor <laughs> somebody said trev anakat mohan from youtube said trev imagine an evan mobley and ad defensive tandem good luck good luck the rest of the nba if that ever happens because that would be an incredible pairing that would be absolutely amazing defensively uh similar to this topic that we just got into why is Vogel starting DJ in the third quarter it's always way worse look DJ is DeAndre Jordan he's an innings eater at this point he's taking he's eating up some innings eating up some minutes uh without hopefully without killing you hopefully he can get in there and do a few good things for you but he's just chewing up some of the minutes there at the center position right now for the time being Alan Barnard finally won the rebound game and smacked them in the points in the paint and we started cruising have to keep winning those two battles yeah so on the night the lakers actually lost the offensive rebound battle 16 offensive rebounds for the Cavs, which again is too many but 11 for the lakers 42 rebounds overall for the lakers to 36 for the Cavs. uh points in the paint total the lakers 60 the Cavs 44 now here's the thing though the lakers uh, did have 13 fast break points, and that's a lot of times that's how you generate points in the paint. You know, when we look at that stat, we tend to think, okay, points in the paint means you're posting up players, you're pounding the ball inside. But the modern NBA, it's more about are we driving into the paint, not through post up actions. It's not always when we think of points in the paint, we think, oh, the bigger, stronger team's going to dominate in points in the paint. Not necessarily, because so many of the quick guards are able to get into the paint and cause problems there. And if you're a fast break team, if you get a breakaway, guess what that is? It's points in the paint. It's not how we typically think of it, but you're getting a breakaway dunk. You're scoring points in the other team's paint. So therefore, it, it counts towards it. So if you're the Lakers and you're defending and you're getting a lot of stops and getting a lot of buckets in transition, that's going to lead to a lot of scoring in the paint. Um, I also thought they were, though, a little bit more assertive about getting to the basket. I saw Russell Westbrook do this, and we were talking about this after the last game, about how they can't settle for those mid-range jumpers. thought they did a little bit better job of not doing that, of pushing the, the action, and making sure that, hey, even if you've got shot blockers in the middle, even if you've got guys that like Jared Allen, even if you've got Evan Mobley, I'm going to take the ball. I'm going to go into his body, right? I'm going to jump up. I'm going to get contact and I'm going to put the ball up on the rim. And worst case, I'm going to draw that help defender. And then AD's got an easy tip and dunk. 
right? That kind of a mentality from Russell Westbrook where you can pick up some Kobe assists where he shoots it and then one of your own guys gets the rebound and puts it back up and in. I think that's a better proposition than the pull-up 16-footer from Russ, except for the weird 45-degree angle bank shot that he's got from, from the left side. Russ has got that one down. I don't know. It's like a guard version of Tim Duncan, kind of. Uh, Trevor Bailey from YouTube said, Trevor, will Russ actually take the load off of LeBron or do you uh, see the team still relying heavily on Braun going forward? I think they are going to, um, I think they are going to continue to rely on, on LeBron moving forward. Every team that has said LeBron, we're going to bring in this player to take some of the burden off of you. He still wound up doing a lot of the stuff, a lot of the, the heavy lifting on the offensive end. I think Russ we saw it against San Antonio, right? Russell Westbrook allowed the Lakers to get a win even though LeBron was not there because he was able to really handle the ball and go. Now you can have some you can have some moments where some games where Russ also loses you games, right? I mean, we kind of saw that in OKC where he put up pretty decent stats, but the turnovers really just crushed you, as well as the missed shots. Um, but you also have nights where he's good. And he carries the team, and you didn't have that dynamic playmaker last season. So when LeBron was out, things just fell to pieces. Russ can carry some of the burden. Russ can carry more of the burden than Dennis Schroeder could. Let's put it that way. Russ is more capable of taking over a game and getting you the win than Dennis Schroeder would. Now, there's some problems with that, right? There's some issues where, where Russ can also shoot you out of some games and turn the ball over too much and, and kill, the, kill you that way. But... Overall, Russ can do some of the heavy lifting, but it's not like LeBron can just take it easy all season now because Russell Westbrook is, is there. All right, I am still getting... Guys, if the Super Chats, I'm not getting them in order. I'm trying to just screenshot them and grab them so they don't go past me. So if I didn't get to yours yet, it's possible it's in my screenshot uh, section here. In fact, someone brought up a superstar about Russ, but AD didn't play good until the last half of the fourth. I was like, grab the rebound, please, Robin style. Yeah, Anthony Davis, weird first half for him. Weird almost into the third quarter, too. Just was kind of in a daze. I was a little bit concerned about that. Uh, Mamba mentality from YouTube with the Super Chat said, no more bullet passing to the three-point line, please. Yes, please. And also no more hit-ahead passes to Anthony Davis. They've been so eager to throw that hit-ahead pass to AD that it's been causing a lot of turnovers, I think. I, I need to go back and look at this and see how many turnovers have they've gotten because of hit-ahead passes to Anthony Davis where they're either overthrowing him, right? And so it's sailing out of bounds. We saw that. Or they're underthrowing them, throwing him, and the defender's just stepping up and intercepting it. It hasn't worked out very well. Um... Yeah, it's something that I think they need to be a little bit more selective with. All right. Let's get into, well, you know what? We need to do another award. We need to do another award. Let's do the Next Man Up Award. And maybe this is too easy. This is too easy. Well, okay. No, it's not. There's a couple candidates here. The next man up award goes to the best non-star player. The best, not so not Russ, not LeBron, not Anthony Davis. Which player on the team was the best to step, was the next guy to step up? Okay, so chat, fire it off. I'm seeing a lot of people saying the same thing with one other name coming in. 
One other name that's coming in right now. Okay, now I'm seeing a second name. I've got three names that are coming in right now. Carmelo Anthony, by far, by far getting the most votes, if you will, right now. But the other two names that are getting some love, Austin Reeves and Avery Bradley. Now, I will say, officially, it's going to Carmelo Anthony. He was absolutely phenomenal tonight on the offensive end to where it made up for the defensive shortcomings that we saw in the first half. Again, 24 points, 6 of 8 from deep, 9 of 12, and they were timely shots. They were shots where the Cavs, when they started to get a thought in their head about, hey, we're going to make a comeback right now. All right, let's go. This Lakers team, they don't close out quarters very well, especially in the fourth. There was Carmelo Anthony knocking down a shot, keeping them at bay, making a big play. Carmelo Anthony, very good tonight, very well deserving of the next man up award. But I think you can make an argument for Avery Bradley because putting him into the game in place of Malik Monk changed everything. It changed the Lakers' defense from one that was really bad, embarrassingly bad, where the Cavs were scoring almost every trip down and almost every trip down, it was due to some mistake where a Lakers getting back cut. A Laker doesn't have the right defensive awareness. They're not paying enough attention. They're not putting in enough effort. And then Avery Bradley went in and did all of that. Just said, cool, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do everything I have to do on defense. I'm going to give 150% on this end of the floor. I'm going to try to make every read as perfect as I can. I'm going to be as locked in as possible on defense. And then whatever happens on offense happens. That was Avery Bradley's mentality, and it changed this game. I think if Frank Vogel doesn't make that move, there's a decent chance that the Lakers are losing this one tonight. But Avery Bradley's insertion really did change the game from a defensive standpoint, particularly because Frank Vogel started to go to those defense-heavy lineups, which I think may be a path forward for the team. But again, if, if Carmelo Anthony hadn't gone berserk like he did, Shooting the ball, it would be Avery Bradley. Oh, Lords of the Sky. I can't believe I didn't mention this yet. Lords of the Sky from YouTube. Dwight for three. Dwight Howard hit a three at the end of this game. Um, what was the thing in the offseason? Dwight Howard was told by LeBron that if he blocked two shots, he could shoot a three, something like that. Did he get the two blocks in this one? No, he had no blocks. No blocks on the night. But you know what? I think I thought that Dwight's energy was phenomenal in the game. I thought he really made a difference when he went in. Uh, didn't block any shots, but he did a nice job tonight just being big, being physical, being solid defensively. I liked what we saw out of Dwight. And then he knocked in the three, which don't let that surprise you, okay? It's been year, literally years. Dwight Howard has been shooting threes in warmups for a long time. He's been doing this. He shoots threes as part of his warm-up routine. And you might think, well, he never shoots threes in games. Why do that? It's, it's, it's part of his routine. It's part of his shooting routine. And we think of Dwight as a terrible shooter. He's not a bad three-point shooter. Now, part of this is most NBA players, if they're in an empty gym, there's no defense, you go watch them and you just think, oh my gosh, this guy's the best shooter ever. It's a lot different when they're being defended. But Dwight is one of those guys who can knock down that shot. Now, it's not something that you're going to scheme into a game. You're not going to have Dwight spacing the floor and suddenly he's turning into Brooke Lopez or something like that, but he actually can knock down threes. And so it was nice to see him do it in a game here when he had the opportunity. Three and D is three and Dwight. Maybe that is. Maybe that's what it really is. Juan from YouTube said, hey, Trevor, I feel like the Lakers played cleaner today. Uh, not in the first half. That's for sure. Not in the first half. They finished with 20 turnovers. I believe they had 15, I want to say, in the first half. 
they were turning the ball over a ton. In fact, they were shooting at one point, they were shooting 64% from the field and were losing the game because they were turning the ball over so many times. The turnovers were a major problem early. So late in the game, yes, late in the game, it was a little bit cleaner, especially down the home stretch. But early on, the game was not was not clean at all. And the turnovers were a big problem. <clears throat> careless turnovers, I'm seeing. Yes, we did have we did see a lot of careless turnovers. Uh Florin Nasuba said, why do we not see a lot of guys taking charges this season? Well, part of that is the personnel. So Alex Caruso is very good at taking charges. That's a big part of his game. He reads that extremely well. Montrez Harrell also does that. Montrez Harrell, because he's 6'7", and he's not a, a major shot-blocking threat at the rim, he helps to mitigate that by taking charges. Um, since he can't get up and contest the shots of some of the truly big guys, he positions himself and uses that as his version of rim protection. So that's um, that's part of why, because those two guys aren't on the team and they are two of the better guys in the NBA in terms of taking charges. LeBron was doing it a little bit more last season as well, and I've noticed that. He hasn't done it as much this season, but I think the big thing is Caruso and Trez aren't on the team. And it's also the kind of play that's contagious. When you see a teammate do it, next thing you know, you see another guy start to do it. Um, so without having Caruso and Trez, I think that's why you've seen that start to fall by the wayside. Uh, comment here from YouTube, this is Super Chat, thank you, said, Russ can't win playing for the Lakers. He had a super efficient night, and people are still complaining. They're trying to scapegoat him. Really, I haven't seen that many people complaining about Westbrook tonight. Um, Westbrook, again, he was, he was solid. Eight for 13, can't complain about that. One for one from three. Okay, not only did he make his only three, he only took one three. Isn't that what you want? Out of Russell Westbrook, super efficient scoring, six boards, five assists, no steals, four turnovers, but 19 points. This was a very under control game for Russell Westbrook. Now, he did have a bad turnover in the fourth quarter when he tried a cross court pass that was just not there. There was no reason for it, especially when the Lakers were up uh, and there was about three minutes left. He tried to push the pay. This was the play that led to the big Anthony Davis uh, rejection on, on Lowry Markinen. Russ, for no reason, tried to raced down the floor and threw this horrible cross-court pass that easily got picked off. That was not a smart play, but that's one moment. The rest of the game, I thought he was pretty solid. This was a nice bounce-back performance from Russ. All right, let's see. Some people asking about the Lakers' pace. So I looked at it earlier today. I don't know what it is after tonight's game, but the Lakers were second in the NBA in pace when I looked at that um, this morning. So second in pace, they're trying to play fast. But again, we talked about this earlier in the show. If you're playing fast but not getting stops, then you're just continuing to feed the other team's offense, aren't you? Right? You're just giving... If you're getting scored on, most trips down and you're creating more possessions by playing fast, you're giving the other team more scoring opportunities. Now, if you're putting in your defensive lineup and you're getting stops and then you're playing fast and you're getting out in transition because you're getting stops, great. Playing fast is a great thing. But if you're the type of team that's getting scored on a lot because you're running a poor defensive lineup, 
playing fast may not be the best thing for you because the other team's going to run up the score on you real quick. And that's what we saw happening in the second quarter. And that's when Frank Vogel said, that's it. Anybody who's not playing defense, take a seat right over there. Everybody who can play, AB, Bazemore, LeBron, Davis, Dwight, you guys get in there. I'm tired of looking at this. And it worked. And it worked. All right. Let's get into a few more of these. What are we at? This has been a great chat, by the way, guys. A lot of you are throwing in some great questions. We're at 50 minutes right now. This has flown by. I feel like we just started this. Um, fun way to finish the night and certainly a needed one. A breath of fresh air for the Lakers to finish the night the way that they did and get the win, especially coming off that loss to the Thunder. I was really disappointed with the Lakers um, heading into halftime, actually just before halftime. Because in my mind, I was thinking, okay, what we want to see, what do you really want to see out of this Lakers team? You want to see fire. We want to see them upset at the way the game against the Thunder ended. You want to see them come out with that kind of that fire in their eyes, uh, looking for revenge, looking to prove to everybody that that's not who they are. And they kind of came out and fell flat on their faces. They didn't have the energy. They didn't look interested. And I went, oh man, this is, this is not good. And uh, once they started getting stops and they started to get out in transition and the defense really set in, that's when it looked like basketball started to become fun again for them. And they looked like they got this boost of confidence. And this team has been, we've talked about the roller coaster a few times today, but this team has been on that roller coaster and it's emotional for the players too. So it was really good to see them finish this game the way they did. And hopefully that's something that they can roll into their next game. Uh, I think that's going to be important. Okay, people asking me to talk about Kent Bazemore. People asking me to talk about Kent Bazemore, and frankly, people are saying, let's talk about Kent Bazemore and why he sucks. Uh, Kent Bazemore does not suck. He doesn't. Offensively, there's moments where he's not good, okay? Kent Bazemore attacking the basket is a bit of an adventure, okay? Sometimes it's a little bit awkward when he's attacking the basket. Tonight, 2 of 7 shooting, 0 for 2 from 3. In fact, there was one point when he got kicked the ball in the corner, and I went, boom, that's his shot. I even said it out loud. I said, there it is. That's his shot, and he airballed it. It's not a good shooting night for him. We've seen it, though, the nights where he gets hot and the thing barely touches the net because he swishes that corner 3. He can hit those, but defensively, he's a good player defensively, he's going to put in the effort. He's going to have the energy on that end of the floor. That's going to be where he focuses. So when we look at his stat line, we see, okay, 28 minutes, four points. What did he do out there? Well, two rebounds, two assists, three steals is kind of big. Three steals is important, but he's also a plus nine. Plus nine and plus minus. That's one of the higher ones on the team. Anthony Davis, plus 11. LeBron, plus nine. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, plus 10. Again, Avery Bradley, plus 30. It was not a bad night for Kent Bazemore. Think about Bazemore almost the way we think about Danny Green, where a lot of the things that he does, and this was a challenge when Danny Green was on the team, but a lot of the things that he does well don't show up necessarily in the stat sheet. It's more about what he can do. Do teams have to account for him behind, for him behind the three-point line? Yeah, especially when he's in the corner. They do have to kind of, they have to keep an eye on him. They have to care that he's out there. And then defensively, he's going to give you 
the effort on that side of the floor. He's a good defender. He's not a great defender, but he's a good defender, a good enough defender to where there's a difference between having him on the floor and having Malik Monk on the floor. Malik Monk, a much better offensive player, much more dynamic offensive player, a better shooter, capable of doing a lot more, but he's nowhere near the defensive player that Kent Bazemore is. So Bazemore makes a difference in that way, to be that kind of Danny Green-ish role where you're just going to defend the other team's best perimeter player on most nights, and you're going to bring that energy every single night. And that's part of why the Avery Bradley-Kent Bazemore lineup worked, because you had two guys who both weren't going to make the mistake that was going to lead to a basket. Malik Monk was going to make the mistake, right? And so by going with the two defensive-minded players, it just worked for the Lakers. And again, that's been the recipe for success historically with LeBron James-led teams. Think back to Avery Bradley and Danny Green together in the backcourt. This is, again, Bazemore and Green are not the same player. They don't even play the exact same way, but it's the same idea when you combine those two in a backcourt on a LeBron James team. And so I think that's part of why we saw some of the success. So Baysmore, look, even if it wasn't a great individual night for him, his role fits very well on this team in terms of what it is that they need on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, David Zaytun said, who do you think is a better defender, Baysmore or Bradley? I don't know. You know, at this point, I've seen a lot more Bradley than I have Bazemore just overall because Bradley spent that season with the Lakers. Bazemore is good. Bazemore is a bit more. They're both high energy guys. Both can be a little bit overly aggressive on the perimeter and make mistakes there. I'm not, I'm not at a point where I could say this player is a definitively better defender than the other. I think Bazemore is a little bit more capable of checking bigger guys. Like if you switch him onto a three, he can probably do it. Whereas Avery Bradley, I'm a little bit more comfortable with him guarding ones. So that's the key differentiator, but they're both very similar in terms of players right now. All right. We do need to get into the master lock of the night in just a moment here. Somebody said the refs are the master lock again. All right. I'm curious. Who should get the master lock in this game? Or what should get the master lock in this game? Pretty tough to give it to Anthony Davis the way he closed things out. I thought he was headed for it. I thought he was going to get it because he was just kind of looking mopey in this one. I've got an idea of, of who is going to get it. I've got an idea of what I'm going to do with this one. But let me know what you guys think. Who gets the master lock of the night tonight? Going to look in the chat here and see what you guys got. Turnovers, Rubio. Oh, come on. Somebody said Trevor's Fisher-Price backboard gets the master lock. No, look, there's actually a story behind that backboard. I've mentioned it on this show before. My, my dad got that for me when I was in third grade, so a long, long time ago. And in fact, he commented the other day, uh, just a couple of days ago, he texted me and he said, hey, you've got that backboard up. He goes, I still remember when you were a kid putting that up in your room and putting in the, the boards on the wall and doing everything that needed to be done in order to put that up in your room and, and shooting hoops all the time in there with you and all that. Like I grew up 
around the Lakers. I grew up as a Lakers fan. And so for me, that's not just a random little mini hoop. That's from my childhood. That's something that I fondly remember. It's when I was a teacher that I was in my classroom. Um, it's something that has always represented to me, my link to the team. So it's got some sentimental value as well. It's definitely not a Fisher Price backboard or anything like that. All right, but let's do the, oh, somebody said, was your jump shot wet? Well, I, you know, not to brag, but I will say that in junior high, which I know is high level, I was my school's three-point shooting champion. I will say that. <laughs> All right, let's get into the master lock of the night. And I am going to one, one particular moment. I don't know if I've done this before. And it's a LeBron moment who won the 360 award. But I've got to talk about this one moment. It's driving me crazy. And I think when I say it, you guys are going to know what I'm talking about. There was a play. LeBron went down on offense, attacked the basket, thought he got fouled, didn't come back on defense. Now, fortunately, the Cavs wound up turning it over. But this idea that when we feel like we've been wronged, we don't have to get back on defense. We can stay and yell at the referees. It's driving me a little bit crazy. It's not something that can continue. It's something that's got to change. NBA refs, they're calling the game differently now. And I love it. I love it. Trey Young is shooting four less free throws per game at the moment. James Harden is not parading to the free throw line anymore. This is a fantastic and wonderful thing for the NBA. But that also means that there's going to be some times where a player gets fouled and it doesn't get called. And that's that's okay as long as we're taking away the ridiculousness that we saw, the, the crazy stuff where players are, are pretending to shoot in these ridiculous motions, just praying that they're going to hear a whistle and getting bailed out time after time after time. Get that out of the game. But what that means is that sometimes there's going to be a few, few fouls that get missed. And what happens is if you go and you attack the basket and you feel like you get fouled and you don't get the call, well, guess what? That's a bummer. That hurts your team. Yes, that sucks that you didn't get the call. But you know what's going to hurt your team even more? A five on four going the other way because you stayed out, stayed back on the defensive end of the floor. Now, look, LeBron's a veteran, been doing this for, what, 19 years at this point. If there's anybody who deserves to loaf on one play, it's him. I get it. But it's not a good look for the team when you're continuing to give up fast breaks, give up five-on-four situations, if not more, five-on-three situations, giving up easy buckets because we're spending time arguing with the referees, especially when you're the guy that everybody looks to. So that's something that I think really needs to get taken out of the Lakers and their team culture. This idea that it's okay if we feel like we were wronged to stay behind the play and argue with the referees. No, get back on defense. Don't hang your teammates out to dry. Argue with the referees when it's timeout. Go talk to them about the play after that. Don't do it where you're going to get yourself in trouble with your team and you're going to give up points because of it. All right, so that is my master lock of the night. Arguing with the referees after you feel like they missed a call and putting your team in a rough situation because of it. Somebody said, Master Lock, your co-host, for letting you do the show by yourself. I, I first started started this way back when, way back six years ago now. I first started, the first podcasts I ever did were solo ones. So there's a familiarity here to me doing these, these solo shows. So 
I don't I don't mind it. All right. We'll do one more. Let's do one more here. And then we will uh we will call it a night. Oh, bad dog sports. What's up, man? Said, where's your, where's your globe? LOL. <laughs> my globe is, uh, is on my other set. That's on my set for, uh, for front office show, which everybody should definitely go subscribe to Keith Smith. And I have been doing that in the mornings, breaking down all the games and I have a different setup for that show. But, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's where my globe is. Ah, uh, here we go. Mamba mentality. Finish things off with a super chat. Trev, quick, favorite play of the night, go Lakers. My favorite play of the night was the play where Russell Westbrook, it was in the first half, Russell Westbrook got on the break. The Lakers just made a nice defensive play. They finally built some momentum. Russ gets on the break, and he goes tearing down the floor like a bat out of hell, and it looked like it was going to be an, oh, no, Russ is going to turn this thing over. He's going flying out of bounds. He just goes so fast. He goes all the way to the baseline, and it looks like it's a turnover waiting to happen. And then at the last second, he flips the ball, and it was such a fast pass. Like, LeBron had no other choice but to catch it because it was going to just hit him in the chest, catches it, finishes on the break. It was a little bit of showtime, and it was just it encapsulated encapsulated what this team can be in terms of getting out on the break and running, what type of team they can be in transition when they get stops. And I think it was an important point for momentum in this particular game. And I think it's a light bulb moment for the team too, that if you focus on putting out putting out the best defensive lineups, then you can have fun playing basketball because you can get out and run and you can get in transition when you get those stops. So I think it was an important moment for the team moving forward here, but it also was an important moment and a very fun one in this game. So that's my favorite moment of this one tonight. All right, guys. Appreciate everybody coming in and joining me tonight. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow us uh, if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Make sure you follow us there and give us a nice rating and review. We certainly appreciate that. Turn on those notifications over on YouTube and head over to LakersNation.com for all the latest breaking Lakers news. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see ya. Oh, and be safe on Halloween. I'll be here Halloween night. The Lakers have a game. But be safe on Halloween if I don't see you before you start going out and doing stuff. See ya.